0: Good afternoon, boxing fans around the world. Back again on Combat Talk Radio, found at combattalkradio.net with a our Weekend of Boxing updates here. Feel free to check us out. Once again, the site is combattalkradio.net. Leave us some comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on how we're doing, and we will get right into our Weekend of Boxing. Good morning, boxing fans. We have a slim Weekend of Boxing. That's why I waited till Saturday morning to go ahead and get these out of the way. I only saw a Dazone set of events happening so i'm going to crash course through these real fast and then i'm gonna back end with a couple of points i got opinions that i want to share because i think some people are going off scratch and it's whatever but let's do this right so on the zone once again 10 rounds of flyweight action out in birmingham uh in the utilia utilda sorry utilda arena in the uk Galal Yafai fighting Tommy Frank. Galal Yafai, I'm a big fan of this dude. Really big fan of him. Although he's older, he started a little bit late in the game. He just debuted last year, but he's already in his 30s. So he's not going to have too much of a career because when you debut that late, it there's no way you can sustain. Some guys, you know, they debut at sometimes 16, 17. So for him to debut in his 30s, he's not going to be around for a long time, but he's been on a bit of a streak. Really good tear. He had a little bit of struggle the fight before, but he's been on a streak otherwise. And then I don't know anything about Tommy Frank. I probably should, but I don't. So when I looked at the numbers, I think Yafai deals with him if only because of skill. Yafai is a very skilled fighter, and I don't think I think Frank. He's been in a couple wars, and so I think he's on a decline to the point that Yafai will be able to capitalize and get him out of there. I don't see any other way that this fight outcomes. I know that. Frank has come out, and he said, you know, people are overlooking me, and I'm still here, and I'm going to deal with this guy. And maybe he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying from my eyes, I don't see a reason or a way that there should be any other outcome other than Yafai, likely by stoppage, probably in the mid-rounds is my guess. Undercard of that same event, 10 rounds of welterweight action. We got Cyrus Pattinson fighting Kona Walker. Don't know anything about either guy. Cyrus Pattinson is the A-side in this fight. Pattinson debuted two years ago, I believe it is. He's a Southpaw. He, again, debuted late. He's in his 30s, so he started really late. So I think Pattinson's going to easily wash this. From what I saw, Pattinson's a good fighter. It's just these guys, you know, starting a little bit older. I don't know what that's all about. Again, he's a Southpaw. He's pretty dang rangy. And his opponent, Walker, I don't, Walker's not a bum. He's not a bum. He's a solid, decent fighter. I don't think he's going to have anything for Pattinson. I think Pattinson is going to overwhelm him with skill. So just to put some basic numbers, because I think this one might be a little bit entertaining for as long as it lasts. It's 10 rounds, but for as long as it lasts, I think it might be entertaining. Walker comes across as kind of just that difficult style. You know, he's a little bit awkward. He's hard to catch. (laughs) And so as a result, he's never been knocked out as a pro. He's won a few, but he was, I think, very recently, he took a took a loss and then he had a draw on record. But he's one of those that's just kind of awkward and difficult to fight, difficult style. So it'll be a good test for Pattinson and his ability to adapt to it, just that Pattinson's age concerns me. Pattinson being a Southpaw gives him a little bit of lean. He's coming off a stoppage win. Here's the funny thing. Social media, by and large, believes that Kona Walker is going to win this one. I don't know where that's coming from. And I suspect that we just have, because both of these guys are from the U.K., so I, I don't know where it's coming from, but I suspect it's just like Sam Eggington, same thing. Certain guys just, even if they have a lot of losses on record, they have a really solid fan base. They have fans that watch them and they're they're you know cheering the guy on, and I suspect that's what it is here. It is possible that Walker pulls something out and upsets the card. I, I don't personally see it. It feels like Pattinson's going to have too much for Walker. I feel like it's going to go the distance and I feel like Patton's going to get his hand raised. That's just what I think about it. And that's all we got. It literally was slim. Most of the fights are coming in September. It looks like they booked the vast majority of fights in September. We have a couple of events next weekend, but most of the events start ramping up again in September. So I'm going to go back to covering some of those when they come up. But I want to share some thoughts on some recent activities that happened because I think people are starting to go nuts here. So here's the big things. Of course, the fight with Jamel Charlotte, which is the younger Charlotte at 154. He's the undisputed champion, fighting Canelo Alvarez, who's undisputed right now at 168, I believe it is. Now, people at first were criticizing this fight. A lot of people, like NSB, you know, the places were criticizing this fight, saying, Well, wait a minute. How come Canelo's dragging up this 154 pounder? Because Charlotte has to go up to 168, and Charlotte's going to be stripped of the WBO title because he ducked his mandatory. So they're criticizing Canelo for dragging Jamel Charlo up from 154 to 168 instead of fighting Jamal Charlo, who already campaigns at 160, would be an easier jump. Jamal Charlotte came out on social media and said, look, I gave the fight to my brother. Let's give him the shot, and I'll fight Canelo after the fact. I think that's perfectly fair, and the reason I like that fight, stylistically, Charlo and Canelo, even though it's a vast disparity in the weight class, Jamel is simply the better fighter in my eyes. Jamal is the one who wants smoke all the time. Jamel goes in there and leaves it in the ring, no matter what happens, even when he takes an L. And Jamel deserves somewhat of a shot, being that he's undisputed, and he was planning on moving up anyway. So I don't have any concerns with it. Like, he was, he was en route to go to 160, and the story was the only reason he hadn't done it is because Jamal campaigns at 160, and he was waiting for Jamal to go to 168. So I think it's just timing of... If Jamel is basically ready, quote unquote, for 160, this will be a good test to get his feet wet, test a lighter, you know, heavier weight that he's able to go up and he doesn't have a loss of power. Now, this is a significant jump as 154 to 168, but he walks around, I want to say 170 or something. Okay, so then you come down a little bit and does he have the power? Is he able to move? Does he have the agility? Because the agility is the key factor. With Jamel. He doesn't move significantly. He's, he's a boxer. He's a straight-up boxer. But when he needs to, he can. And the question is, when he goes up, is he going to be able to? Because Canelo will be fighting at his comfortable weight. It's not gonna, you're not going to see the same thing you saw against Bival, where he literally was just getting outboxed by Bival. You're not going to see that. I do think is going to have some success early in it, and we'll dig a little bit more on that when it gets closer to fight night. Well, then with Jamal, Jamal's a him ball game ballgame because Jamal's been sitting on, I believe it's the WBC title at 160 for ages odd and not fighting mandatories. And he doesn't want to really unify with anybody else. And so people are, are okay with Jamal. They just wanted Jamal first. Well, I find that hypocritical because if anything, I think Jamal should go second because Jamal needs to fight somebody that F else because he hadn't fought anybody else. And right now he's kind of sitting on a damn title and nobody else is stepping to me a chance to step up and beat him for it which might up upset the apple cart because the th- theory was that the third fight for Canelo was going to be Errol Spence. But when Errol Spence took an L to Crawford, now it changes the game. Is Canelo going to want to fight Errol Spence coming off of a dominant loss now because then the haters are going to criticize him for taking that fight? Well, the only other option that's out there that he hasn't beat on the PVC side, if I recall, is David Benavides. He's trying to get, as in Canelo, trying to get David Benavides to fight somebody like Andre or somebody else. Now Benavides was able to beat Kid of Plant, but he certainly didn't look good doing it. So I don't, frankly, favor the Benavides fight as the third of this series. But I'd be okay with it in lieu of Errol Spence. That's my point there. Well, then Crawford, who after he beat Errol Spence said, "You know what? I'll go to 154 to rematch Spence. It's fine." Then he said, "I want Jamel Charlo next." Then he just recently said, you know what? I'll go to 168 and fight Canelo. So he's already doing this cherry-picking shit, and so then NSB defends it. Now, mind you, when Canelo did this, when Canelo was doing this, they criticized him. Everybody criticized Canelo as a cherry-picker and a ducker, and he's picking the fights that he wants, and he's not fighting the fights that's in front of him, and he's not fighting his mandatories, because let me just remind people, there was a time when literally Canelo, uh, let's say not literally, figuratively, tossed a belt in the trash rather than defend it against Golovkin. That happened. And the world, mostly NSB, but the world criticized this man as a Ducker. But yet when Crawford apparently was okay dropping his belts in the trash versus fighting Boots, who does deserve a shot because he's mandatory, or Stankonia, who deserves a shot because he's mandatory, or Keith, who deserves a shot because he's been available for years now. Okay, so then it's all good. Yeah, sure. Let's let Crawford jump from 147 to 168 and get a cash out fight. Cause that's what it is. Let's be honest against Canelo Alvarez, simply because you see a boxing style. There's levels to this shit, dude. You can't compare because it's the same thing as wanting, being celebrating Canelo jumping up to fight Baval simply because he looks good at a lower weight class. And you think he can go up there and smash Baval. No, it's, it's not the same thing. Canelo at least had precedent in the fact that he went up to fight Kovalev. So he already had some precedent in going up to the weight class. The difference is Kovalev was on a slight decline. He wasn't a steep decline, but a slight decline, and Canelo caught him at the right time. And so then people criticized the outcome. They didn't criticize it when it was leading up. They were fine with it leading up, but they criticized it after the fact. And then they said Canelo ducked Andre Ward. They also said Floyd ducked Andre Ward when Floyd was campaigning at 147 and didn't want to have a fight with Andre Ward at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like... My whole beef, my whole issue, is the hypocrisy and the inconsistency of everything that's going on here. I don't have a problem with Jamel fighting Canelo first because Jamel was already on route to 160, so it's different. He was already, he's basically tiptoeing into a larger weight class. It's fine for him to go first. I got no problem with it. I got no problem with Jamal going second because hopefully we can get him a fight in the middle there because he hasn't had a fight in years and he's been sitting on the belt apparently injured. So let's get him a damn fight before he fights Canelo, and then he'll be 160, and he'll be able to test 168. It's a great transition for both of the brothers. The third fight, I believe, is in question. I don't think it should be Spence at this point because Spence is fresh off a dominant loss. I'd rather be somebody else. Benavides is available, so if that happens, great. Maybe it's somebody else. Andre's not with PBC, so don't call out Andre. I don't know who it would be, but I do want to see somebody other than Spence in the third seat, and I don't want to see Crawford in the third seat either, simply because he put out a boxing masterclass against Spence at 147. It's not the same thing. Here's what I want to see from Canelo. Keep up with the Jamel. Let's see what you do there. If you're able to deal with Jamel with ease, which I don't think you will, okay, we tell the story. Then deal with Jamal. If you're able to deal with Jamal with ease, which I think you do, okay, go there. And then let's do a third fight that's not Spence and not Crawford, not a 147-pounder. Let's go with the natural 168-pounder because let's look at the pattern. Here you're fighting in Jamal, somebody who campaigns and is undisputed at 154. Then you're fighting Jamal, who campaigns and is a champion at 160. Logically, at the third one, let's go with somebody who campaigns and has a belt at 168. There's a couple of candidates out there, and let's hopefully not do a Golovkin for, we don't need that shit, but let's do somebody else who's got a belt. Well, by the way, Andre does have a belt at 168, I believe. He still has it. I think it's WBO. Okay, I'm cool with it, but he's not PVC. But can you make that fight still work? People want to see you beat up beat up Andre because he's got the eye test, whatever. My point is, I don't want to see Canelo in the ring with Spence, and I don't want to see him in the ring with Crawford because there's, number one is weight classes for a reason, and number two... Spence is coming off a dominant loss. Crawford's got mandatories breathing down his neck, and we criticized Canelo when he did not want to fight his mandatory. So we need to criticize Crawford for avoiding his mandatories, who, by the way, have been waiting for a very long time. That's Spence's fault, but now Crawford's got the belts. It's on him. So step up, and this is what I want from Crawford. Step up and fight a mandatory number one. Jerron Boots Ennis. Step up and fight a mandatory number two. Uh, Stankonia. Fight him. I don't care. Fight Keith once upon a time Thurman. That's cool. He's available. I don't give a damn if you fight him at 154. That's fine. He's available. He's closer to your weight class. He's a get-back fight after this fight that you have with Earl Spence. I'm cool with that one. No problem. Fight the hell. Fight Danny Swift at 154. I don't care about that. That's fine. That's a great fight because Danny Swift seems to have been, he seems to have grown into 154 very nicely. So that'd be a good test for you of Somebody that beat you in the AMS. Okay, let's go that route. I'm cool with all of those are viable fights. Hell, I don't care if you want to just take an easy, quote unquote, get back and fight somebody like Blair Cobbs. I don't give a damn. Cool. I would rather you fight your mandatories. At least one of them. Fight a mandatory. Then we can talk about what you do next. Whether it's a Charlotte 154. I really don't want to see that because Charlotte's not going to be the same after he fights Canelo. Jamil. I don't want to see that. But if it happens, fine. After you fight a mandatory or get back with your current weight class with the belts you have defend the damn things at least once, not just vacate them after you win the shit like you did at 140. And that's a personal gripe, only because everybody on NSB and other places, they would criticize Canelo if he were doing the same shit. I know this because they did that. That's exactly what they did. They criticized Canelo for dropping belts and go to different weight classes. They criticized Canelo for jumping up weight classes to seat belts and other weight classes. They criticized Canelo left ways to Sunday for not fighting who was in front of them with threats that were in front of him. And I want consistency. I want to stop hypocrisy. Stop it. I want you to be consistent. We should be criticizing Crawford for even entertaining this notion of fighting a fucking middleweight or super middleweight. And Crawford entertaining this notion of fighting a fucking lightweight because, by the way, the world and NSB criticized Floyd Mayweather when he accepted the fight with Marquez, who was coming up as a lightweight, did not criticize Pacquiao when he was fighting Brandon Rios, a lightweight, or Chris Algieri coming up as a lightweight. You didn't see certain fighters, you criticize them. Certain fighters, you don't. That's what's got to stop. Let's criticize them all or criticize none. If all we want to see are circus fights because we see boxing skill, let's do skill versus skill, that's fine. Then we need to stop the criticism when fighters choose to jump weight classes and seek greatness. I don't have a problem with them doing it as long as we're consistent in how they how they're treated and how they're responded to. Let's we're gonna criticize them all or criticize none. Pick, not cherry pick on certain fighters like Crawford's apparently doing. Let's see what happens here. First, it starts with Jamel Charlo, and I truly believe, I truly believe that Canelo's gonna deal with Jamel Charlotte, not because Jamel Charlotte's a that bad fighter he's a very good fighter i simply think Canelo's is just a little bit better than jamel and i think it's gonna be a close fight and i want to see what happens we'll talk about that more when we get closer to the fight guy but folks please let's just be consistent let's just be consistent i don't care which way you feel let's be consistent if we're going to criticize certain fighters for ducking mandatories we need to criticize crawford for ducking apparently his two mandatories right in front of his face That's going to do it for this week's episode of Combat Talk Radio, Masterpiece Boxing, found at combattalkradio.net. I want to thank you for listening today, whether you are a subscriber or not. I know you have choices, and I appreciate you for being here. Just to remind those that are new to the show, Combat Talk Radio records every Friday, so once a week in the Pacific Time Zone, and then Lifeblood of Boxing Series, which is our coverage of the boxers, I think are worth your time and give to the sport. That's once per month. It does not have a fixed schedule, but once a month I'll have a release until I run out of ones that I think are worth covering for Lifeblooded Boxing. So those are our two programs. It is podcast only at this point. We want to hear from you. So combattalkradio.net at the bottom. Hit comments, feedback. Let us know how we're doing. If there's anything that you'd like to see us adjust or improve, we want to hear from you, and we are open to that feedback We also are open to starting up the YouTube again, but it seemed like that died off when Lomachenko took a loss, and we don't know why. So if somebody knows why or they'd like to hear the YouTube coverage, let us know that as well in the comments, and we are open to doing it. We just need to make sure the fans are there. Right now they're on the podcast, not on the YouTube, for whatever reason specific. We're open either way. Anyhow, that'll do it, and I will see you guys next week.